We're back with another Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for joining us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETF's Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning, and we are happy to welcome Dr. Michelle Perron, scientific advisor and founding member of Suburban, based in Paris. Thanks for being here with us, Michelle. Yeah, yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's a bit late for me, but uh, no, it's still daytime in Paris. Uh, very nice to have you, Michelle. And Thank sorry you. you're not here in Princeton for the summit. Uh, nice of you to join in yesterday. And I'm sorry we're not in Paris, but that's yeah, <laughs> Well, to begin with, Michelle, give us a little background about this startup called Suburban. Suburban is um, something that uh, came out of my previous work uh, as a researcher uh, when I was working with INRIA, which is a national research institute in computer science and automation in, in Paris. I've been working there for, well, almost... 25 years, developing automated vehicles and um, new mobility, especially new mobility. Uh, so we decided that uh, with a few friends uh, from this uh, research group uh, that uh, it is now time to um, put something on the market. We think uh, that uh, the demand is there especially with, uh, with um, the very, very big push that we have nowadays on uh, eco-mobility. The demand is there and the technology is just starting to be there available for some of these new mobility services. So we have a focus because we, have, we know about the mobility and we know also about the kind of services that can be met by, these, by the technology. So we are focusing on something that I'm sure uh, Alan will love. We want to focus on those folks in the suburbs of uh, large cities that have bad public transportation. Uh, I agree. I mean, you know, it's amazing. Somebody else wants to uh, recognize that there are those people out there, even in, in, in France, in the suburb of Paris, really? Yes, well, I, in my research lab, uh, we are in the suburb of Paris. Well, if you want to go to Paris or to go from Paris to the research lab, it takes about one hour and a half by public transportation and about the same time also by car during uh, rush hours. So this is very bad. Um, whereas uh, we have a, a station, a train station, very close by uh, on the Three, three miles, three miles away from the research institute. We have a nice train station, and we go. We can go from this train st station to downtown Paris in uh, 25 minutes. So the idea is, how do we get to the train station? Um, when I started uh, doing this kind of research work, we said, uh, well, first we can. The first thing we can do is to provide um, station cars. You know. Um, uh, self-serve uh, cars available uh, on demand. But now we think uh, it's possible to have uh, a mobility, an autonomous um, mobility service 
using uh, minivans, shared minivans, because uh, since we want to, to bring the people to, uh, to the train station, it's pro probably for a particular train. So we can put several people on board for this particular train. From this train station next to our institute to go to Paris, we have trains going every 20 minutes to Paris. So we just have to focus on these trains during rush hour. Off rush hour, well, we can do on-demand service with uh, one at a time, but uh, it will be more expensive, of course. But we think we can focus in many, many places, and we have looked at many, many places in France and abroad uh, where people are do not have good transportation, okay? And they have to use, therefore, their own car. They have to go to use their own car and get stuck in the traffic for, for hours, okay? So we, have, we are focusing on this trip, you know, like a 10 kilometer trip from uh, uh, your home or your job to the train station. So back and forth, of course. And this is a venture that you just started last year, I understand. Where are you today? And uh, how quickly do you think you can have a service like this running? Well, we've been working, thinking about this kind of service for, for a long time. But uh, we started the company only last October, and we got some crowdfunding to start the company, and uh, we will have a second uh, round of investment probably in the spring uh, to, uh, to um, really kickstart a, a very good research group to put uh, uh, all the technology on board of these vehicles. And we have uh, teamed up with a number of um, companies and with uh, people who can deliver the van. The idea is to use the existing cars available on the market. Electric cars, of course, because we want to be clean. But I think we can have now, uh, like many people have done actually in the States, we can uh, take a regular van and make it autonomous, completely autonomous. I'm not talking about, of course, uh, uh, level three. I'm talking about level four. But level four in a very particular ODD. And we are going to certify this vehicle on these very specific ODDs. When I say specific, it's really on a particular trip. Okay? It's not, not just a, a, a kind of a, a section of town, but just really on a particular trip because we think it will be possible to certify our transportation system on this particular trip but not everywhere. We don't, I don't think at the moment, I don't think it's possible to certify just a vehicle, an autonomous vehicle. We have to certify a vehicle on a particular trip. Particular I, I, I could not agree more. It is fundamental. This, first of all, so-called level five doesn't exist, will never no. exist, whatever. I mean, it's just goofy. I hate the Society of Automotive Engineers for even suggesting it. I mean, come on, get out of here. It, it, it must be. And in fact, you know, the argument with the ODD is, is that these vehicles are not owned by us, which would like to go anywhere. They are, they are owned, operated by a fleet manager who knows where where the many to one points are, has all the information they could ever want on the roads and the intersections that connect that, which is not all roads, not all intersections. And if one should somehow have construction, well, 
they'll either root around it, deal with it, or maybe not offer the service anymore. Okay. And yep. that's the definition of this, of that. We had a big snowstorm here in Princeton, uh, uh, you know, a few days I've ago. I've heard about Guess it. Guess what? I've heard about Guess it. Guess what? The ODD of my car, my goodness, the, the, the salesperson that when I bought it said I could drive anywhere. I couldn't drive anywhere on Monday, okay, because I couldn't get it out of the darn, darn, my, my, my driveway, okay, and the road wasn't shoveled. So come on, get out of here with this everywhere. Are you kidding? So Alan, some, some folks, some folks who are listening or watching may not be as familiar with the terminology here. So explain what you're talking about with ODD. Well, the ODD is just a definition of work and go safely. The operational design domain, right? The operational design domain. It can go from here to there over these roads and whatever it's done it, it knows it, it's no problem, whatever. And if there's fog, what should we do when there's fog? Stop. Don't drive the fog. We're not that. This isn't to try to solve the fog problem. This isn't the, the, to try to solve the heavy snow problem, mobility problem. This is to try to provide high quality mobility to folks most of the time. Let's do that first. Then we can maybe try to deal with the fog problem. I mean, Michelle, how soon do you expect to have vehicles in operation? And what's the, the process for you, even going into the communities and, and gaining community acceptance ahead of time, which uh, is we, sometimes we already, crucial? We already have community acceptance because we have um, tested the community since a long, long time ago. We have done a very large number of demonstration of automated shuttles in cities since the early 90s. So we know about uh, cities, we know what they want, we know about what people want. We, we know that people, for example, are not afraid of getting into an autonomous vehicle as long as it, is, as it feels safe. And uh, for the long, long time, actually, our vehicles were running fairly slowly. And if you look at the uh, autonomous uh, shuttles that are on the market now, most, mostly they are on the most of these vehicles are French, by the way, and they are issued from, from our work. They run at um, maybe 20 miles maximum because uh, that's easy. That's much easier to make it safe. But um, we know that we can go a little bit further and actually many people have demonstrated that. Uh, just uh, think about Waymo, you know, in specific ODDs, you can, you can probably run at 60 uh, kilometers per hour. Sorry about the miles. Uh, so I think it's around 40. Actually, the biggest problem, the biggest hurdle at the moment will be the certification. How do we certify that these vehicles are safe? And in Europe, we have a very strict certification procedure. It's not completely finished at the moment, but it is, it is in progress. We have uh, companies that are certifying level two uh, vehicle, for example, and they are working on certifying automated shuttle. And uh, they are working also on level three in very specific ODDs. For example, at the moment, uh, they will limit the certification at 60 kilometers per hour, not above, okay? 
So you will be able very soon, actually you can probably already uh, do it now, buy a car that does the um, lane keeping and distance keeping at 60 kilometers per hour. So you can, uh, you can do something else on the highway if you are in a traffic jam, okay, so that's available. But um, what we are looking at is not driving assistant, it is fully driving autonomously so that we can provide a service for these people who do not have access to good public transportation. So we need to have a fully autonomous system, otherwise it's too expensive. We don't want to have uh, someone on board to just uh, watch the, the, the vehicle and take over if needed. We don't want that. We will probably need somebody um, uh, doing the overall control of the vehicle, of, of a fleet of vehicle actually. But uh, we want to have something that runs very, very efficiently at a good speed, not 20 kilometers per hour or 30 kilometers per hour. We want to be, be able to do 60 kilometers per hour at the beginning. Later on, we want to be able to run at a normal speed, normal uh, speed. Actually, the, the road in front of our institute is limited at 90 kilometers per hour. But uh, in, the, in the morning at traffic jam, it's barely at 30 kilometers per hour. So we think it will be very simple to run autonomously uh, in the traffic uh, without getting people mad at us because we run too slowly. So the biggest hurdle that we have to face right now is to prepare for the certification. And the certification will be probably be available by the 2022, by the end of 2022. So we want to be ready to deploy in 2022, at the end of 2022, early 2023. So that's how we are focusing our uh, uh, development. And wow. we think it's fairly easy for us to put everything on board, to be ready, uh, with all the technology ready, and to have the technology certified hardware and software. Well, Michelle, I, I think, you know, I think your, 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 your approach is correct. And I think your, your, your focus is correct. Your focus uh, being, uh, uh, this isn't for uh, central Paris. Uh, this isn't for uh, San Francisco downtown. No, no, we don't, uh, we don't need autonomous vehicle for, for, Places where you have good public transportation. I, I, I think I said that yesterday. It's a mistake. It's a big I mean, mistake. What, what? We need another. We need another way to go so that we can just whatever. But it, in 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 these in these communities, in these smaller communities, I don't. I suspect that from your institute, there are other roads uh, that have speed limits that are sixty kilometers per hour instead of ninety. I think it, you know, if you want to go fast, go buy your Ferrari. Okay. Leave us alone. Go to Germany. Run it on the on the autobahn. Have a ball. I mean, most of most of the things that uh, places that one wants to go and to be able to access the these uh, these uh, other uh, good uh, transportation locations are really uh, not that far away. That that sixty kilometers an hour is really a a, a quite good um, a pace. You don't really need to go faster than that. Plus, when you're there, you can be on your phone anyway, doing whatever the heck other things you want to you want to do. So there, there's really no need to go fast. So the the the, the go fast, I I don't think 
being able to get there when you want to get there 24 7 as long as there's no snow fog or you know inclement weather to me that's a much better service proposition to be putting out there that that i think will be appreciated and of course i think what you've uh, what you focused on <clears throat> is the many to one trips exactly one could be a train station it could be a synagogue it could be a, a uh, uh, a ballpark. It could be, uh, you know, a school. Oh, my goodness, these uh, school children, they shouldn't have good transportation to school. They should sit on school buses. They should bike. <laughs> I mean, oh, how ridiculous. I can't be too cynical enough. Uh, but there are many of these places. And in fact, uh, the opportunities to share rides, which is why you want a van and you really want to share rides. Why? Because that makes it even more affordable and better. And is is not going to the train station, coming from the train station because what you have this big train dumping a bunch of people all at the same time. Guess what? You only want to go road through the few places, so you have all kinds of opportunities to to share rides if you if you make it easy and and and, and trivial for them to just hop on. And so yes, I think that is the right focus. It's it's. It's uh, it's kind of way where I would like to see the developments go in the U.S. instead of this downtown San Francisco, <laughs> like ridiculous. Uh, cut it out. Um, maybe you know L.A. might be okay because there is no downtown, but certainly Manhattan isn't anywhere where any of this stuff could go. And, and kind of the uh, the same arguments I made for Trenton being such a good place to do these kinds of things. You know, this is where people who, who don't have the mobility who could really benefit by having a good way to get from A to B um, could actually improve their quality of life as opposed to giving it to a bunch of people that already have great mobility. And this is not just one of a whole list of things that, you know, they can't figure out which one's on top. So all those things exist. Right. So if, yeah. if you're able to get the vehicles on the road at the end of next year, are your plans, your, your hopes anyway, to, to scale this and move to uh, a great many communities in, over time? Of course, of course, yeah. We are, we are, actually, our target uh, just for France is 18 million people who take their car every day. So this is our target, this is just for France. So yeah. it's, a, it's a huge market, it's a huge market. Yeah, there's there's only one Paris, you know, and maybe one Lyon or whatever. And well, no, but it's not there are all these suburbs, all these other places around, aren't there? They're all over the darn place, and all the villages, right? Right, right, absolutely. No, no, we are actually we are, we are working with other cities like La Rochelle, where we did our first demonstration of uh, automated shuttles, and we are working with the city of Nîmes, with the city of. Uh, uh, Sofia Antipolis near Nice. Uh, we have many cities working with us now on the specific plans for uh, implementing these services. And uh, they, they have the demand, uh, they, they have a very strong demand because they, they want to reduce the congestion, they want to lower the emissions, uh, and they want to provide a service for the people who do not have access to a good transportation. So as you mentioned, uh, Michelle, I mean, you've been doing this, even though Suburban is is new, you've been doing this for 30 years. I mean, what was, <laughs> what was the technology? <laughs> 30 years, 30 years. Actually, I did my, 
my first project on autonomous vehicle was in uh, 1986 with the French army. Of course, that always starts with the army. But uh, from the early 1990s, I worked uh, on, uh, on uh, new mobility services. And the first system that we deployed and tested was a, a self-service vehicle, electric vehicle that were uh, on demand, were available um, uh, as a free floating services. Okay, people could pick them up anywhere and drop them off uh, at another place. And we had um, uh, identified that the biggest problem for these, um, how do you call them, these uh, vehicles that are available on, on demand? Zip car. Zip car, yeah. Well, yeah that's zip car. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the. In, in, uh, in uh, 91, we developed a, a similar service uh, outside of Paris uh, with Renault, uh, with electric cars from Renault. But we identify one of the big problems is to move the cars where they were needed. Okay. The empty vehicle repositioning problem. Vehicle repositioning. So we developed at Inria a platooning technique that worked very, very well. Actually, we had a um, fantastic technology that was uh, uh, patented uh, using a vision, vision system, a high speed vision system, and very high speed uh, control technology. So we had, uh, we are able to form trains of vehicle, of electric vehicle that we used uh, with only a gap of 0.3 seconds between two vehicles, any speed, any speed. We went up to 90 kilometers per hour and we could do a hard braking without jamming the, the train. So we developed this kind of technology and then we moved on to uh, uh, Innovative vehicle, we designed this, the, what was called the SciCab, which was a very, very tiny vehicle in 96, in uh, 1996, uh, which was a, uh, a vehicle that could, you could drive with a joystick or that you could put in a platoon or that you could put in a fully autonomous mode on particular tracks. So you see that dates back from quite a long time. <laughs> Yeah, no, we've, we've played with this for a long time, right, Michelle? Yeah, yeah, we are the old timers. Huh? We are, we are, yeah, as, uh, as uh, Bobby Hamrick said to me, you know, you're the grandfather of this. Oh, man. I've been also called a grandfather. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> but it's coming. It's finally coming. I thought it would come sooner, but it's finally coming. And it's finally coming because people want it. And the, uh, the uh, not just the citizen, but uh, the, the municipalities, you know, the states, uh, they, they, they want something better than the existing transportation system, which is mostly based on individual car with just one person on board, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, the technology, uh, and as you mentioned before, electric vehicles, the compute power, it's all coming together. Exactly. And it is becoming cheap and certifi certifiable. We can certify now these, uh, these hardware. Yeah, no, it, and, and the problem was really very hard and it remains very hard and it requires, it requires an, an awful lot of, of work and, and capabilities and it's, it has taken this long. It, it isn't really just, you know, the problem, the problem the is very, very hard. It is, it is very hard to drive as well as a good driver. Okay, of course, yeah. drivers make mistakes that computers do not make. But on the other hand, 
drivers can uh, take you out of a tricky situation that the computer doesn't know how to do. Yeah. And it's difficult to prove at the moment that uh, in this very difficult situation, the computer does a better job than the human. It, I think it is not possible. I, I, I think I, at the moment, the, the human does better than the computer in this tricky situation. The, the, the way I state that is that, um, is that everybody is a really, really good driver. Really good driver. Because we're intelligent. Uh, we, we, we can... uh, we're intelligent. And, and what goes on up here, forget the AI. It's nowhere close. <laughs> no, it's not enough. It's nowhere not enough. Close. However, our problem is we misbehave. Yeah, that's we right. We misbehave. Oh, we do. Uh, well, not you. Uh, I, I, I'm, we all do. I'm Fred. We all do. <laughs> but but I'm a, I, we misbehave. And it's the misbehavior that gets us into trouble. And these things won't misbehave. Or yeah. certainly not misbehave to the extent that we misbehave. And that's where the value is. Absolutely. And that's what, so to say it has to be better than us when we're sitting there totally focused and put all this horsepower into what we're doing, forget about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me tell you that. Because yeah, last year, uh, coming back from uh, uh, vacation, well, for the first time in my life, I fell asleep on the wheel. But fortunately, I had a co pilot. My wife was next to me. And she, she woke me up. Hey, what are you doing? So you see, we all misbehave. Well, the technology, and we've talked about it before, exists today that, that it could, the vehicle could be watching you yeah. and know, yeah. uh, you know the lane keeping, et cetera, but also alert you to, to wake you up if, if exactly. that were to happen. It, and it yeah, should be deployed. Yeah, yes. Fred, Fred, that's driver assistance, and that's not what we're talking about. Right. Well, if you have to put an right or a driver in the service that Michelle's talking about, then, then it can't be affordable. It's not sustainable. It requires, you know, communists that support it or something, you know, a society or whatever. You know, it's unaffordable. It's just not a business. The way to make it a business is to get, take the darn human labor out of it. And, and the, the way a car, a personal car is affordable today is because we drive it for free. Yeah, exactly. Somehow we had to charge ourselves for the amount of time and effort we, paid, paid, we spend to drive it. We couldn't, we couldn't afford it. We couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's who we're replacing, us. Right. The drivers, we, to drive, they'll still have plenty of things to drive. <clears throat> the professional drivers, I'm not worried about them. They're they're going to need plenty of jobs. Hey, let's make their life and in, in their vehicles a heck of a lot safer, a heck of a lot more pleasant, uh, so that they they can uh, uh, not go crazy trying to just feed their families. You know, ten hours a day driving. Can you imagine? You know. 10 hours a day to feed your family? I couldn't do it. I know I couldn't do it. And we're making these folks out there to do that and not providing them with a, with a lot to help them drive. We have to do that one too, Michelle. Yep. Absolutely. And we'll be back with more, but first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, 
the Smart ETF's Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, look for the white paper. It's called the Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Lots of great information to help you make informed decisions about investing. ETFs, as you may know, can be a smart way to spread risk with investments and focus on a particular category of stocks. The site, once again, is MOTOETF.com. Alan, some headlines to touch on this week, and we welcome your participation here too, Michelle. From the Los Angeles Times and our friend Russ Mitchell, there's a headline reading, Trump left a massive traffic safety mess for Biden. Item one, Tesla's self-driving claims. Yes, of course, and 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 uh, you know all the um, all the hype and so on, and and sort of um, uh, misuse of words and so on basically has to stop. I think we we have to we have to be very careful on how we speak and 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 what the implications of what what we have out there. Um, the Tesla system is really very good. But, but you have to you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention, and there's no way this is fool anything except fooling you. F O O L. And um, and until Elon decides to say, hey, if anything bad happens when it's being used, it's my responsibility. I'll take care of it. I'll make you whole on it. Until he's ready to do that, he's not putting any fool anything out there. So. You know, let's let's get real and and okay. You use it to get to where you are. It's very good. Glad to hear it and whatever. But come on, um, be real. Transit bus maker New Flyer has partnered with Robotic Research to create a, a self-driving transit bus. Alan, in the newsletter, you are praising the effort, but not when they label it le- level four. Yeah, I mean, what do they want to be? Elon Musk too. I mean, come on, that's not a level four bus. It's the, you know, they're not going to pull the driver out of that bus. Why would you pull a driver out of a bus that, that can carry 50 people? You need a bus that big and you have 50 people. You have plenty of people there to pitch in the paper the, a living wage for the driver. It's not, that's not what it's for. Come on. I mean, plus... You can't go to any transit system and suggest that you're going to have driverless vehicles. There's a transit union there. Okay, guess what they're going to do? <laughs> Our friend Michael Sennett. <laughs> we're getting you to speak up there. There we go. Our friend Michael Senna has a new edition of the Dispatcher out with the lead article, taking a critical look at how the driverless car problem is being addressed. Uh, another great addition. Yeah, another great addition, and I think uh, yes, uh, he he is uh, he's rather critical on the on driverless car approaches. Um, uh, we don't necessarily share the same viewpoints, but that's fine. I mean, look, I, I think it's good for us to to have a discussion and, and have a, and you know, I this is looking into the future. The future is unknown. It's just really good about the future. Well, it is unknown, as I like to say. It wouldn't be worth living it if, if, if we knew what was going to, what, what, what was ahead of us each day. It would be, um, be totally boring. 
So um, uh, anyway, yes, and it's uh, he's such a good writer. So enjoy everybody. Roadshow is reporting that the VW Group is uh, taking development of self-driving car technology in-house for going partnerships, which kind of goes against the grain of what everyone else is doing out there. Well, yeah, and it, it seems to be, I thought they, they had set agreements with everybody. So I don't know, is that, that, that real or is that not real or what's going on or whatever? Is there another group in VW that they done? I, I don't know. I, I just, I, I didn't put any credibility in that one either. <laughs> well, Ford is saying it will more than double its investment in electric and autonomous vehicles to $29 billion uh, through 2025. Uh, they've got an F-150 pickup truck uh, due to have an electric version later this year. That's, I guess, their most popular vehicle, right? Uh, yeah, it is the most popular vehicle. I guess we'll see, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, the electric version of that ends up, um, you know, being successful in the marketplace. I guess they'll have to compete with Elon, whatever truck, <laughs> which is uh, out there. I, everybody's worried about that. And a lot of other folks are coming out with, uh, with uh, the ability to haul stuff using electricity. Great. We'll, we'll be able to see that. I, I was looking more at the... Uh, but the investment in in, uh, in autonomous or, or automated aspects of it and the issue, uh, I, I still feel, feel that uh, Ford it, it remains committed uh, to putting out their driverless mobility the, the Argo effort is still a strong effort and remains a strong effort. And so, um, uh, which is, you know, a slightly different business model than, uh, you know, selling cars to us. I continue to believe there is no market for a driverless vehicle sold to individuals. I just don't think you make that a market. Uh, first of all, I'm too irresponsible to have one. Therefore, you're going to have to put so much around me for me to own one. Uh, and for me to send one out to Michelle to, for Michelle to go have a ride someplace and for them to come back to me me taking the responsibility of, of of taking of having this automated thing uh, provide mobility to Michelle while I'm not there really I'm gonna, I mean how irresponsible would I be doing that and uh, and if it's if it really is going to do that then there is going to be so many so much oversight by some entity. Uh, on it, that such that I've said, you know, the check engine light will never come off. I, I mean, I'll never be able, I mean, it'll never be good enough. I, I don't think so. I, I don't, there's no market there. And why would I want something that I can't drive to own? Sure, I, you know, I can put it up there next to my train or something like that or whatever. And my neighbors will think, oh, he has one. You know, I even have a bumper sticker on my car that says my other car is. Michelle, you were you were not you were nodding your head in agreement from, here. From, from the darker challenges, I did have one, you know, but uh, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Michelle, do you want to jump in? Um, well, I cannot. I can only agree with with, with Alain because I, I I don't know how I could use a. a if my own car was driverless, uh, that would be perhaps nice to go to a, 
to on vacation uh, uh, and uh, sleep during the trip, uh, but uh, I don't see that happening anyway. Uh, now I love to have uh, driving assistance on my car. You know, yeah. I think it's great because it can improve my safety. But um, having a fully driverless car, um, anyway, I don't see it happening uh, because of the technology that will not be available for good doing any trip, any time, anywhere. Yeah, I know. I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, you know, the driver assistance I love, okay, because it provides comfort and convenience to me. And I think it improves the safety. But probably more importantly, the comfort and convenience to me. I like that the, the steering wheel leads my hands as it's going around the corner, as opposed to me I can override it. I like the fact that I don't have to worry about how fast I'm going because I set the damn speed limit. I, it doesn't have to be in my face on the overhead, whatever. You know, it keeps me going there. And I'm, if I'm running up somebody's rear end, it will slow down and not let me do that. I love that. Yeah. And personally. Okay. And it'd be nice if I could hop in the back seat and just whatever. But if it's good enough for me to hop in the back seat, then Michelle is probably going to set up a service that will offer that to me that will be a whole hell of a lot more attractive mm -hmm. than me providing it for myself. Because well, as you've mentioned all along, Alan, the, the, the question of Who's responsible? Are the automakers or Elon Musk, are they going to take responsibility if they say it can drive itself? Yeah, they'll have to take, well, somebody's going to have to take responsibility. If, I'm, if it's out there giving the show a ride and I'm not there, I'm responsible. Holy hell, they have to take responsibility. They're going to run, the, they'll never put that on the market. And and and, and uh, Michael Stradato is not going to sell me insurance, and and uh, it's just not going to happen. It's like Goofy. It, it, there's there's no substance to that market. It is talk about a Ponzi scheme. I mean, it's not even Ponzi scheme. It's nothing. There's no opportunity there. Not not going to happen. Especially especially because Michelle with his fleet. It's going to be able to offer me that same service, allow me to just ride in the backseat because he's a responsible entity. He has the scale of a, of a whole operation and he can deliver that a heck of a lot cheaper, better and whatever than I can deliver it for myself, I think. And so when you have that competition, only he survives, I think. It's the way it seemed to my mind. Sure. If you have something convenient and cheap, uh, better, it, it, people will take it. It's, I think. I don't know. Why do I want hard and expensive? I mean, really, I, I, it's so much about me. If I want to brag to my neighbors, I'll find some other way to brag. I don't know. <laughs> Alan, uh, it's a, more or less a, a holiday weekend coming up here in the U.S., Super Bowl weekend, <laughs> which uh, I don't know what they think of it in Paris there, Michelle, but here, here in the U.S., even though the Stillers aren't in it this year, 
Um, a lot of people will be watching, and GM is spending uh, a bunch of money running a Super Bowl ad featuring Will Ferrell, uh, designed to push the whole electric vehicle category. It focuses on how far ahead Norway is in per capita ownership of EVs. And uh, I guess uh, they're trying to push the whole category here, they're saying. I, I guess, but with, nobody here knows. We don't even know where Norway is, okay, first of all. Secondly, what-, what I Norway, think that's one of the points of the commercial. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, it's one of the points, but what they don't tell everybody is why is it that all these electric vehicles are being purchased in Norway? Is because it is so darn expensive to purchase an internal combustion equivalent car because of the taxes and the non-taxes and the whatever and the kickbacks and whatever and so on that goes on. It would be stupid to not buy an electric vehicle. Now, if you want the public sector to go in there and, and basically pay for it all, then sure, you get it. Now, maybe that's what GM really wants. Since GM says they're only going to produce electric vehicles, they better get Washington to go out there and make sure that those electric vehicles to the end customer are half the price of what an internal combustion engine car is. So I think that's a situation that exists in Norway. Now, whether or not in the commercial that actually shows up on Sunday, they actually explain that, I don't know. But, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's cute, but, um, but it's just like uh, the cute ad that um, I forgot who it was last year put in, you know, with now your, your automated parking system you can now squeeze your car into a parking spot between two cars in Boston. Okay, now talk about what? That was the smart park commercial. <laughs> if, if, if I squeeze my car between two parked cars so that the people in those parked cars can't get in there, you know what's gonna happen to my vehicle when they show up in Boston? Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to have any fenders. Well, they're, they're still advertising that. I'm going to have four flat tires. I'm going to, are you, I mean, you know, sure. Let's use automation to, to, to make you socially irresponsible. Great. Thank you. What a terrible <laughs> commercial. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, the Smart Driving Car Summit is continuing uh, with live sessions every Thursday. Great one this week. Uh, noon Eastern time live on Thursdays through the middle of April. The session this week was really terrific, Alan. Yeah, this week on safety was really terrific. And Michelle chimed in and came in with a question. I think uh, this coming week is, to me, uh, is what I'm looking to as really one of the highlights. I'm, I'm really concerned about, about how the decision is arrived to take the, the attendant out of the vehicle and provide this mobility, um, uh, this affordable mobility without an attendant, the driver is key. To me, that's, that's a monumental risk and, and decision made by the CEO of the entity making it. Uh, yes, it's nice if we have a, a whole host of box, check boxes that, that some regulatory agency said, if you do this, this you can. I, I'm not. I'm not confident that those check boxes are going to be available. So that if, if I check all the boxes and they certify me, uh, then it's their problem or their responsibility. Or they made me do it, or 
you know, I can push off the risk. The way I see the risk existing in the United States right now with doing this is that, is that in fact, the entity that decides to pull the, the, the attendant out of there, they're responsible. And they're going to have to expect the responsibility. And they're going to have, have to accept that if anything bad happens. And that, to me, is so increases the, the pressure on the safety piece of it and, and the pressure that, in fact, it does work. And you're not a loose cannon out there just, you know, uh, trying to rip off the public or whatever the other connotations are. Um, uh, you know. And so there's a lot of arguments out there about how, how long it's taken Waymo to get out there and, and actually do it. Hey, so far, they're the only entity in the world that's done it in a really just you know, on public streets without you know controls and making sure there are no children and, and no whatever and, and non-trivial decision of responsible accepting responsibility by a leader of an entity who wants to provide value to a, to society non-trivial Absolutely. And again, it's Thursday at noon Eastern live and every Thursday through the middle of April. You can get more information about registering or even sponsorship at smartdrivingcar.com. Michelle, we really want to thank you for for taking the time to be with us today. And congratulations on all of the innovation for for so many years and, and on what you're doing now. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Okay. And um, I'd be glad to attend the uh, next uh, conference on uh, Thursday. Yeah, please do come in and, uh, and join with us. Good luck. I, I think you're focused on, on the right thing uh, to do right now. And, uh, and um, hey, so far, we've done all, we spent all this money, we've done all this research, we've done all this development. You know, how much value to society have we delivered yet? You know, um, in, in the driver assistance, we're delivering some. That is really good. It is getting out there. People are buying it, and, and, and showrooms are selling it, and even the automakers are actually putting it and trying to make it work as opposed to just smoking mirrors. And, and so that's all good. Uh, but the driverless, um, um, we're still trying to get there. Yep. We want to thank our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol again for the ETF is MOTO, and more information is available at MOTOETF.com. You can find us at SmartDrivingCar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you turn to for your podcast. You can find us on Amazon Music and Audible as well now. You can get your smart speaker to play us, too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching, and please continue to stay safe. Thank you, and everybody trying to get vaccinated.